Welcome to the Resilient Minds Podcast. This season, we're talking about alternative healing modalities, opening you up to your own inner power, and giving you the confidence to support yourself. I'm your host, Rory, owner and creator of Rory Moon Crystals and Academy, and I'm honored to be guiding you along this journey. Who would have guessed that this city girl would love nature so much? I hope you all have your hiking boots because this week's episode, we are diving into the importance of connecting with nature. You are going to travel back in time with me to some of my earliest memories of connecting with nature. I'm sure we've all had them. And then fast forward into how I connect with nature now. Here's hoping this episode inspires you to get outside and connect with nature. One of the things I love about recording these episodes is that I get to kind of think back to how I first reacted to these different kinds of modalities. And for most of them, I have very distinct childhood memories. (laughs) This one is no exception. I didn't associate myself with a quote-unquote nature lover, tree hugger. I was a city girl. I was afraid of bugs. I didn't want to get dirty. Um, I didn't want to get lost in the forest. I was afraid of the dark. Like all of the things that were pointing to nature is a no. I was also a girl guide or girl scout. If there are some American listeners, I think it's girl scouts in the States. I'm not sure. Anywho's, I was a girl guide and one of the adventures we got to go on was camping. And I was legitimately terrified. I was like, 10, maybe 11. I'm trying to think of how old I was as a girl guide. Someone help me out here. And I had to sleep in a sleeping bag. I had to make sure everything was water resistant. I had to make sure I had my toiletries in a certain bag. So I had to walk outside to go to the bathroom. And I was terrified. And I did not know how I was going to survive. And the first night that I was there, I was kept up all night by a train. And I remember, I don't know why, but I had a clock. I brought a battery clock with me because I just needed to know at all times what time it was. And a watch was just like beyond me, I guess, at the time. (laughs) So I had this clock with me. And so every time I woke up by this train, I checked the clock and I'm just like, I got no sleep that night. It was terrible. And there were so many bugs. I was in like a head to toe, like bug suit. (laughs) I'm laughing because I have a picture of this somewhere. I took a picture or someone took a picture of me on a disposable camera and I look like a swamp creature. Like I just have this like hat on with the mesh coming in front of my face. And then I had like a, like a jumper almost that was made out of mesh. So none of the bugs would touch me. (laughs) Oh my God. My poor parents. The the other reason why I didn't like bugs was because I always got bit by mosquitoes. I guess I had that really sweet blood or whatever people tell you to make you feel better for always getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. And I got stung by bees constantly. I remember one summer, so the first summer that I got stung by a bee. I was, I was a kid. I was like really bad at guessing my age. Maybe I was between the ages of nine and 12. Let's just say I'm really not sure, but I was at my cousin's baseball game 
and I was playing with one of the girls. She was like a sister of one of the other players. And I was up north. So like I was like spending the weekend with with my aunt and, and my cousins. And I was playing around with this girl. We were like running around. We were playing tag. And then we were playing on this like jungle jimmy thing. But there was a teeter-totter. And like pff, I'm describing it as a teeter-totter. But that is a stretch. It was a wooden log balance on another piece of wood. Like I don't think it was... Uh, I don't think it would pass the standards of a jungle gym in uh, 2022. (laughs) So we were playing on it. Little did we know that there was a bee's nest underneath um, this very safe teeter-totter. And the hive woke up. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting chills through my body, like, retelling the story. And the two of us go running. We are screaming our heads off. We're a little bit far away from the diamond. And I remember asking my aunt about this afterwards. And she was like... I was like so upset because you were yelling and screaming. I was like, what are these crazy girls doing? Just like screaming at the top of their lungs, like blah, blah, blah. And then I get back to the bench and I had been stung eight times. And one or two of those stings were like behind my ear, like on my arms. Thankfully, nothing like on my face other than the ones like behind my ears. I think I was just like running so fast that like the bees couldn't get in front of me. (laughs) I was not laughing at the time, but... That was my first experience of getting stung by a bee and I was like essentially attacked. And ever since that day, every summer I got stung once or twice. And the first couple of times it happened, I was like, oh my God, it hurts, it hurts. And then, you know, by like the fifth time I got stung, I just, oh no, I got stung. I go inside, I grab a piece of ice and I just like hold it until it doesn't hurt anymore. I just like numb my arm with the ice. So... I would like to think that I was warranted to be terrified of going outside because nature was just coming at me and I didn't know what to do about it. Now, I did have really good experiences being outside. I always loved being by the water. You know, I was called to large bodies of water. So whether that's a lake or an ocean or a waterfall, something about the water was always very soothing to me. So that kind of kept the door open between me and uh, great mother nature. We're like, okay, so you send some crazy bugs after me, but you also gave me these beautiful bodies of water. So like, we're cool. Another beautiful memory I have of connecting with nature is gardening. So both my nonna, nonno, those are grandma and grandpa in Italian, had beautiful vegetable gardens. I think everyone knows about the Italian vegetable gardens. If you don't, slide into my DMs. I'll like give you all you need to know about the insane gardens that Italian families grow. So it was always a big part of the summer, you know, turning, or I guess it would be like the spring, we would turn the soil, we would plant the seeds, or sometimes we would just buy like little um, smaller plants in the vegetable garden. You know, my nonna nonno grew everything from cucumbers to zucchini, to eggplants, to beans, tomatoes, all the different kinds of lettuces, <laughs> basils, like herbs, just everything. Oh, and they had a grapevine, which was so cool. It made like almost a roof in the backyard. And then, of course, we would have, like I said, the beautiful gardens at my nonna nonna's house. And then my parents also had a vegetable garden. We also had beans and cucumbers and zucchini and carrots. We did carrots one year. And it was a lot of fun. And oh my gosh, okay, this memory just popped into my head. So going back to my nonna and my nonna's garden. So when I was younger, my cousin and I, 
well, one of my cousins, we would, okay, you guys are going to laugh. So we would grab leaves. So we weren't picking like vegetables or like lettuce. We were just picking like the leaves of like the cucumber plant or something like that. Actually, the leaves of the cucumber plant are like Velcro-y. So you can like stick them on your shirts, which is really cool if you haven't tried that. So we would do that, obviously. But then, you know, sometimes we would pick some things and we would tie them up and go like with little strings and go into my no, 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 no shed and we would hang them up in the shed. We were drying herbs and then taking little jars of like, they were like little like baby food jars from when we were younger and like my nonno would keep the seeds in there because he would grow the plants and then he would like harvest some seeds and then he would like use them again for the next year, blah, blah, blah. So we would grab a bunch of leaves off of the random plants, tie them up in little strings, tie them up in the shed, wait for them to dry. When they dried, we would crush them up and put them into the jars because that's what we saw nonno do. He put stuff in the jars and... <laughs> This memory makes me laugh so hard because I'm still doing this to this day, okay? I'm still buying lavender and sage and basil or growing, mostly growing, not always just buying, but like, you know, having these plants and then harvesting them, hanging them until they dry, and then storing them in jars so I can use them in rituals. That's so beautiful. But of course, at the time when my cousin and I were doing that, we were just having fun. You know, we didn't really know what we were doing and we got yelled at because we were destroying the plants. My nonno was like, don't touch the garden, don't touch the garden. We're like, no, no, we're making like these things. And he's like, no, no, don't touch the garden. We're like, okay. So we had to, we had to stop plucking stuff in advance. But that's such, oh my gosh, that's such a great memory that makes me laugh. From those stories I'm hoping you're getting a sense that nature and connecting to nature has just kind of worked its way into my life. I wouldn't say that there was like a pinpointed moment when I was like, oh, yes, I must connect with nature. It kind of happened accidentally, or I was like nurtured into connecting with nature. See what I did there? I loved going on picnics. And as I kind of grew into a teenager and young adult, I loved having plants, house plants. So yes, we had our outdoor garden and our like landscape and stuff, but I really loved having house plants. So I started buying a lot of them. I have two very distinct memories of connecting with nature, experiences that I have had connecting with nature. The first is barefooting or earthing. So that is the practice of taking your bare feet and touching them to the grass, the ground, not the concrete, not your kitchen floor, the earth, earthing, okay? It's in the, it's in the name. And we are told, okay, maybe not all of us, maybe just some of us, that when you go outside, you put your shoes on. When you come inside, you can take them off. But when you go outside and your bare feet, you know, your feet get dirty, you can hurt yourself, you can step on something, you can stub your toe, always wear your shoes when you go outside. But taking my shoes off as an adult and touching the ground has never felt so freeing because of all of the things that I was told when I was younger, keep your shoes on, don't take your shoes off, don't walk on the grass with your bare foot. You know, there were very few times when I was 
allowed, quote unquote, to wear bare feet outside. And that was one, if we were going through the sprinkler. So I got to go through the grass when we were running through the sprinkler. And when we were at the beach, because we were at the beach, we were at the sand. And for some reason, it's okay to go barefoot in the sand, but it's not okay to go barefoot in the park. So it's a, it's a mixed messages. But as an adult, I did a workshop where I was encouraged to take my socks and shoes off and walk in the grass. And it felt really, really strange at first. And then by the end of it, I did not want to put my shoes back on because it felt so amazing. It was like cool and comforting and energizing, like so energizing. So this is actually something that is, I mean, pretty easy to do. I'm going to get more into this at the end of the episode too, but sneak peek, take your socks and shoes off and put your bare feet on the grass. If you have backyard, it's a little bit more private. If you are nervous or uncomfortable about doing it in front of other people, if you're like on a picnic, you can just take your socks and shoes off and like accidentally let your feet overhang off the blanket. <laughs> let me know how that goes for you. The experience of earthing solidified in my mind and my soul, the earth, mother earth, nature is healing and we are connected. There was another experience I had that also solidified this feeling of connection to nature. And that was actually more of a a painful memory, painful experience. It was losing my houseplants in a fire. In August of 2021, there was a fire in my condo. We were not home. The unit where it started, no one was home. So thankfully, no one was hurt. But walking through my condo and seeing all of my pots with scorched plants in them, I could hear them crying. I felt such a loss. It was like losing a pet. That's what I'm going to chalk it up to. Because I had cared for these plants. I had grown them since they were little. I've watched them flourish. I propagated them. I talked to them. I tended to them. I, you know, moved them to more light when they weren't getting the light that they needed or watered them more when they were looking dry or giving them a new pot because they wanted to change it up a bit. And there was nothing I could have done to bring them back. Like they were... I thought about it. You know, I looked at some of them and I was like, but can I save you? And I just knew that there was um, no more life in them. So that was really difficult. But looking back, I know that there was a real connection with them and tending to them made me feel good. And now I'm at a place where, you know, I'm, I'm in my new home And I'm slowly bringing more and more little plant babies into my home. And it feels really, really good again. They look so cute. They're in their cute plants. They're all like pretty small because I'm starting with some smaller ones. And yeah, like there's just nothing has felt more solid than that loss of those little plants. So aside from turning my new home back into the glorious jungle it once was, 
There are still other ways that connecting with nature shows up for me now. One of the easiest ways is going for walks. I do have a little dog who keeps me active. She needs to go on two or three walks a day, depending on her mood, sometimes four. And that's a really great way for me to get outside. And when I'm taking her on her walks, I truly feel a difference when I'm walking and I'm present as opposed to walking and being on my phone. So I try when I'm walking her to not have my phone out or uh, listening to music or podcasts and just like for those 10 minutes, just looking at the ground, looking at how she's walking, look at the trees, looking at the birds. And it's a really great time to just be hyper-present. Like the reason that I'm here is so my dog can go to the bathroom and that is, that's enough. That's productive enough. We don't need to do and, 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 ands. And back in 2020, I discovered an app that showed me hiking trails in my area. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Hashtag not sponsored. But I found this app and it showed me all these different hiking trails um, that were very, very close to where I lived. And what I love about it as well is if I was going somewhere, for example, like if I was going antiquing, maybe I was going to Cambridge, maybe I was going to Woodstock and I wanted to do a hike or walk a trail while I was up there, this app would show me like, okay, I'm going to this area. There's like a trail over here. And it showed me how long the trail was, how long it would take me to walk. If it was like a bike friendly trail or just a walking friendly trail. And it took the guessing out of finding a trail. Cause that was always really difficult for me. I was like, Oh, I love the idea of like going for a hike. And by hike, I mean like a walk with trees but I'm like, where do I go? Like what, where, where does one find these trails? So that was a really big piece for me. And now that I have this, I like make a point of walking two or three different trails every month in the nicer months. It's not something I did throughout the winter. Although I did consider snowshoeing for like a hot second. I was like, oh, this will be great. I'll be active in the winter. And it never happened. It was too cold. It was too cold for me. And if you are not going and finding these elaborate trails, but maybe you are just walking your dog, take a little bit of extra time when you're near a park. So if you live in the city like myself and you are walking your dog and you happen upon a little parkette or a dog park or whatever, just spend a little bit of extra time, kind of like linger because that is your little slice of nature in in the urban jungle. (laughs) Now for the part of the episode I'm sure you've all been waiting for, how can you bring the practice of connecting with nature into your everyday life? Something that doesn't involve moving up north, (laughs) something that doesn't involve becoming a mountain nomad. So here are some really, really simple things that you can work into your everyday life. First off, look at a tree. You think I'm joking? No, no, I'm dead serious. Look at a tree. Look at how amazing it is. Look at its leaves. See if you can find a squirrel or a bird in it. And when you're looking at it, just know that it grew all by itself. No one helped it. No one told it which way to grow, how to grow, how tall, how many leaves to sprout. It was just like, this is what I was meant to be. (laughs) And it just is. Second thing you can try, smell a flower. You think I'm joking? I'm very serious, guys. This is a very serious podcast. Stop and smell the dang roses or even just the air. I actually love the smell of the air when we're moving out of winter into like spring. It's just like so fresh. There's like 
it's like a wet grass bloom kind of smell. I'm not doing a very good job describing it, but like we all know what that smell is. It's the smell of spring and it makes you take a nice deep breath in and fill up your lungs completely. Oh, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. And the last thing you can try, which is fun, is buying yourself a bouquet of flowers or a little houseplant. Now, it doesn't have to be for a special occasion. It really brightens up your space. It's a way to bring nature inside and remind you of its beauty and your connection to it. Another fun thing you can do along the same lines is picking flowers from your own garden or a friend's garden and bringing them inside. I will disclaimer that with ask permission if you're going to pick flowers out of someone else's garden, okay? Nothing worse than strangers plucking stuff out of your front lawn. You know what I mean? But if you have a friend who has a beautiful flower garden, see if they'll let you like trim a couple and just put them in a vase or a tall glass, or even if it's just one flower in those like really trendy, like single stem, like bud vases, that would be so beautiful. And just to bring this episode full circle, when you are bringing these flowers from the outside into the inside, check for bugs. Okay. Give them a shake. My mom used to grow peonies or we still have, like, she still grows peonies and they have a lot of wrapping petals and bugs always lived in them. So we wanted to bring them inside, but there would always be something on the inside. So that's my disclaimer. That's past self giving you present day self some advice about the bugs in nature. Thank you so much for sharing your energy with me. If you like this week's episode, tell a friend. After all, you may be the catalyst that launches them into their own healing journey. For more life-embracing content, look me up on Instagram at Rory Moon. And always keep on with the little shifts. Before you know it, you'll see a big change. Bye for now.